Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast, where this week we're doing things a little bit differently. I'm Stace Harmon, joined as ever by John Robertson, but this week John and I are also joined by a couple of very special guests, and we're all going to be discussing the making of our latest book, 20 Double Fine Years. Uh, A quick bit of housekeeping for those who don't know, 20 Double Fine Years is our big anniversary book celebrating the first 20 years of Double Fine Productions, and it features art and stories from every one of Double Fine's games, along with the studio's extracurricular activities like Day of the Devs and Amnesia Fortnite, and their work with two-player productions, and a lot more. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, then go check it out on our website, indiebydesign.net or doublefinebook.com. Okay, so on to our special guests. With us today, we have our good friend and freelance designer who worked with us on the book, Richard. And we also have another good friend and uh, a Double Fine Productions stalwart. He's the Director of Marketing and Communications at the studio. It's James Spaff Spafford. Gents, it's lovely to be in the same virtual room, at least, with you. Um, And I'm hoping that this is all going to go really well and very smoothly. So on to our first point of discussion, which is... I'm going to go to you first, Spaff. Um, It was a good long while ago now that we started talking about this book. And if you can cast your mind back to all that time ago, why was it, do you think, that it was important to you personally and also to the studio for a book like this to exist? It's quite a big question, actually, I think, for me, and it involves a little bit of history, perhaps, about why I'm even at the studio to begin with, Um, which is that, you know, I've grown up, as many people have, as a big fan of Tim and his LucasArts games, but that led me to create fan sites for those games, Um, and that, in turn, led to me getting a job in the industry and becoming a community manager. Um, but also as a huge fan of the Double Fine, when it, um, when it kicked off, uh, I happened to be in America and we knew Tim had left LucasArts and we wanted to find out what he was up to. So we looked him up in the phone book um, under Double Fine, which is, we knew that that was the company name. Uh, and uh, but little else, and we gave, gave him a call and asked if we could have lunch with him, and he was very gracious and said yes. And so uh, my friend and I, uh, we were the first fans to sort of have a studio visit with Double Fine and, and figure out what they were up to. Um, and he even let us reveal a corner of the uh, Double Fine logo on our website, the, the two-headed baby. We revealed its ankles <laughs> in a little zoom out shot. Um, anyway, years later, uh, Tim came to me and, um, you know, they, they needed a community person and they knew I, I was a big fan and wanted to move out here. And so I've ended up here. Um, so then as we come to 20 years of Double Fine, it's obviously, you know, as a huge fan of everything the studio has been doing over the years anyway, personally, it just felt like a moment we really needed to celebrate. And, you know, no one had tackled the immense number of games all the art all the crazy things the studio has been up to in 20 years it's you know it's a phenomenal amount of uh of, of things um and so it just felt like you know now is the time let's do this <laughs> so thankfully you guys showed up sort of right around the right time yeah so it was an extraordinary coincidence that yeah we were happening to look at uh who we could do our next book in partnership with double fine we're looking for people to make a book and here we are a few years later, um, and the book's out, and the studio has turned 20, and in fact, 21 since. 
um it has been a it's been quite the journey in both both respects um so let's bring in so john and um richard um you guys obviously have been working on this book from the beginning as well uh we also should just give a quick shout out to uh dom palmer uh who also he worked on our previous books with us and he also did some um early concept work for for 20 double fine years so hi dom if you're listening thank you um so john and or rich what um what were the things like early on what what did you think would be the the kind of exciting elements of working on a double fine book what were the things that you you were kind of held dear to you and spaff has mentioned that he has a very personal history of double fine what were the the kind of particular elements or the games or any of the things that kind of attracted either or both of you to working on a double fine book like this i mean yeah i'm definitely a huge fan of uh, of the you know the lucas adventure stuff but it was the uh, i was one of the backers on um broken age it feels like ages ago now um and that that brilliant that brilliant um pitch pitch video that tim did that piece to camera mm-hmm. talking about adventure games where they'd all gone and every sort of couple of years i google adventure games because I, I was always in the hopes that some would exist but they just never did and then i saw that and i was very excited by it and i backed it and i love broken age but for me the the real magical journey of that project was watching the two-player productions documentary as it ran all the way through so basically i saw i was seeing this little slice of life of double fine through you know uh, however many years that that entire process lasted like a good good (laughs) couple of years yeah yeah yeah, ages right (laughs) so it became a kind of three um, years maybe yeah three years so i was kind of it felt like it was a very personal and very well made uh, you know, documentary series, and I, I felt like a fly on the wall in that place. And then, um, so yeah, it was just really nice to 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 see the process of a game being developed, sort of that intimately. And then the game was great anyway, but that was it was just really nice to see the studio from inside so intimately. Like I said, and then John just texted me at some point. We play games together, and just texted me saying, Are "You up for a bit of design work?" Um, I didn't realize <laughs> it would be such a extensive projects but yeah i was absolutely thrilled to be part of it well that's very nice to you and we were thrilled to to have you be part of it rich it's been yeah. uh it's been fun and maybe there'll be future adventures uh coming up as well yeah, but so. anyway that's a that's a whole other thing um john i mean we had lots of conversations about uh doing this book with double fine the conversations originally were with spaff and greg rice who um well sadly for double fine but i guess it's sony's uh to sony's benefit that that greg's now over at, at sony um what were the do you remember what like the 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 early conversations that we had what would it like similarly what were the sort of the things that you were well, excited to dig <clears throat> into i think for me like whilst it is it's exciting to work with a studio to create something like this that have created some <clears throat> some uh you know many games that that um i've loved playing i think the one of the interesting things from a kind of authorship editorial level is working with a studio and sort of cataloging and celebrating their history um given that they've done so many different types of games like double fine isn't like a shooter studio or a platformer studio or racing studio or, or whatever the genre is it's 
um there are so many games that are so different from one another um they they you know some people you could say there's like a kind of double fine essence there's like the comedy and the creativity and the kind of um not following the sort of video game fashions that kind of maybe is like and one of the essences of double fine but um yeah kind of digging into talking to the people there and trying to find um what it is that kind of drives a studio and makes it tick across such a broad range of games is uh is is very appealing when you've set out you know like one of the reasons why we do books is because it's fun and a privilege and it's a good responsibility to have to go in understand a studio um really get a, a sense of who the studio is and who it makes games for and what it aims to do um and then communicate that to people and and see see people happy by by taking in that that information and and that insight so mm. so yeah doing it um doing that with a studio of double finds type that you know as i said kind of has has all of these different different games and different voices behind the games um that that i think was if i was going to pick out one thing that's probably the most mm. interesting thing that was also the most difficult thing about making a book because <laughs> because like you're trying to find out across all of these different games or you're trying to present the book in a cohesive way but all the games are so different visually mm. different um gameplay wise are different and different people have worked on them so um I mean, obviously, it's a it's a great challenge to have. It's a, it's a great project to work on. Um, it reminded yeah. me a bit of of actually of our first book in the sense that it was because Double Fine is so. Um, there's probably a ten dollar word for it, but I'm just going to say kind of so uh, the equilibrium at Double Fine is very uh, very in in balance. That's I know what I mean. Um, but it reminded me of working on our first book because that was kind of twenty odd different studios worth of content. And talking to each of those studios about their start and and their focus and what they prioritize. And there was an element of that with the Double Fine book, even though it's one studio, because of the way that Double Fine works and kind of gives everybody a voice. Um, I mean, it's famously known for things like Amnesia Fortnite, where anybody and everybody are encouraged to pitch game ideas. Um, And you end up with multiple different stories. You You don't just speak to somebody who is the sound person or a producer or the finance person even. And that's the, their whole contribution to double fine. They, they always have other kind of ways of, of contributing to double fine. So that's, yeah, that was, that was exciting. And John, as you say, it was um, one of the challenges of making kind of curating a coherent book that told or that tells so many different stories. So I mean, Spaff, what is it like working in such an environment where it is kind of everybody has lots of different hats and nobody is, I don't really get the sense that anybody's kind of pigeonholed, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, until the acquisition from Xbox, we, you know, we're an independent studio for nearly 20 years and operated on next to no budget that entire time more or less or depending on the project you know it would have slightly more budget perhaps than another it just means that the studios had to be a very scrappy studio where people do wear lots of hats and do lots of different roles and that filters through to the um the way the game team works is far less structured than than most teams which have like 
designers may design and then programmers who program and you know everybody is in their world whereas here there's a lot more ownership over um you know pieces of the project and you know programmers are designing things and uh mm. artists have to maybe do a bit of code or something there's just this cross-pollination between everybody and um you know i think that shows in in cyclones too it's it's pretty evident i think that it's a full team's creativity and um it's the kind of project that really needs that i think as well because there's just so many ideas that it needs to be filled with mm. um that yeah, was, so for uh, me, it's a dream come true to be working here, as you may <laughs> have guessed from my fandom of this place. That, um, just a little thing, but that a little bit of insight into how difficult it is to write a book. That, um, what you're saying about, Spaff, what you're saying about, um, <clears throat> you know, everyone has, has pictures in in different ways and their job title doesn't just define exactly what they do. Like it, it was still. I think we, I think we, we got a good balance in the book. But trying to list, you know, like Lee Petty X job title on this game, but then on a different <laughs> game it'll be a different job title. But then Lee did loads of stuff other than that in the game, so we're worried about, okay, is this going to be confusing if he's this on this game, and then we're listing and this on this game, and this on this game, and then are we doing a, a disservice by only saying that this was his his only his only thing um, on this game? So yeah, even job titles for different games were um uh, difficult to use as a means to really communicate you know that sense of pitching and doing lots of different things that you're talking about lee is also just a law unto himself right so you know that's uh... he's a powerhouse that's for sure <laughs> but it's true like we have you know somebody might because tim is 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 like very eager to help people um, you know, be in a position and given a chance that he was given to lead a project and have, you know, their ideas be the driving force behind things. Amnesia Fortnite is one tool for that, like where people can kind of try out that role. Um, and that has led to then bigger projects um, being led by other people. The first few, like Lee was one of them making stacking, which was an Amnesia Fortnite prototype. And then since then, of course, he's led um, multiple projects, Rad and Headlander, um, but then also he's an art director on on other things, or just an artist on Psychonauts too. He was just an artist. He pitched in and did um, you know some boss designs and and worked with with the team and you know kind of stepped back. So yeah, everybody's constantly like moving around between different different roles all mm. the time. I have a, I have a job title question. Who's the um? I'm trying to. I've got the book in front of me and I can't. Now, even though I know the book so inside out, I can't actually find the right page. Who's the guy who's got the job title World Builder? Jeff. And, and how do you get that? I want to know. That's probably I want to know, I want to know the yes. career path to when you can just write World Builder on a on a business card and it, it be legitimate. That's what I think I want for I myself. Think his role in Psychonauts Two is as um, I might get this slightly wrong, but I think it was senior environment artist, and so that's his like chief thing that he's doing is he's a type of designer or slash artist who is specifically creating the world so taking the the things that the team is modeling and the textures that they're drawing and the light you know all this stuff and kind of putting it all together in a space um hence building a world yeah. we had i think that rich <laughs> that box out that you're talking about we had originally on the brutal legend that's where i was just looking for big, it before we yeah the big album art uh, album cover art 
double yeah. page. And then I think we very wisely decided that that should just sit unadorned and, uh, and took that You're out. talking about cut content, Richard. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any. Everything's in the book. Um, well, so, yeah, that actually leads to another thing that... So one of my favourite things, um, and Spaff, just listening to you talk then, but one of my favourite things about doing this book is that the image in my head, I think very similar to Rich that I had from watching that two-player productions um, documentary, watching multiple, actually, two-player productions documentaries of Double Fine was this, was almost like a, I suppose, like a, a sort of Nirvana type studio. And it was to my great relief, and also it was one of my favourite things, was that we came out to San Francisco to kind of be embedded in the studio for about a week. And I was I was really happy to find that that is the truth of the place. I'm, I mean, I'm, of course, I'm sure there's, you know, office politics and there's some people, you know, it's not always um, happy families, obviously, like any family. Um, but that, yeah, everybody just was as nice as they seem and as open and as just funny and creative and all of that. So that was that was actually really lovely um, that that wasn't like I didn't have that. It wasn't an illusion to be shattered, you know, it was actually like a real thing. Um, but to go from like one of my favorite things, Rich, do you recall, not a favorite, but just some of the sort of sections of the book that you particularly enjoyed working on, perhaps because of challenges that you overcame or because of just the awesome assets you had to work with or like, do you, are there sort of certain bits that you look at that you remember particularly fondly? Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Yeah, I've got I've got this big archive of lovely double fine art assets now that are selling very nicely down on the South Bank. <laughs> um, yeah, do you know what? I'm Don't say I think, Xbox might be listening. <laughs> I think I'm particularly drawn to Peter Chan's stuff. I'm kind of I'm just I mean it's quite it's funny anyone who was looking over my shoulder when I was working on various layouts of this thing and they, whenever they'd say Oh, that page is amazing. It was usually just one that was a full bleed page of artwork from one of these artists where basically I've done nothing. All I've done is just drop <laughs> drop in this amazing art. My girlfriend just goes, That's such a great spread. And I'm like, Yeah, of course it is. It's just a Peter Chan painting. Like anyone can drop it in this box. Yeah. Peter Chan being a, a concept artist, he's worked with Double Fine for a very long time. He works on all sorts of other projects as well. Um but yes, if you've seen a Double Fine game then you've seen Peter Chan's art for, sh- for sure. Works on, I think all of Tim's games. Mm. Yeah. Ever. Or anything with Tim's name on it, I think, <laughs> all of them. Day of the Tentacle being the first. We've got that big um, Grim Fandango uh, art piece in the book, haven't we, in the, in the LucasArts I, I, Remasters yeah, section. I ha- happen um, to have it open right now. This was the, the dock area. Three, three, I think it was maybe f- three or four amazing... Um, well, they, yeah, it was broken up into three or four A3 pieces of paper and had to sort of stitch them together. Hopefully no one can notice where that is. It. I, I, I don't recall any was, particular... I know where it is. Yeah. I think it's it, it, it's a really hard one. I was looking through this and I was trying, I'm trying to figure out what my favourite parts are. I think Peter Chan's style in particular draws me in. It's, just, it's something about the perspective. He's able to draw... And he's able to draw this kind of slightly warped perspective that looks so correct in this kind of particular universe of his. I just don't understand how someone can do this. 
So I, basically, <laughs> He's a I human. Did, That's how. Yeah, lots of lots yeah, of bill, and... lots of billable hours just spent staring at these uh, assets. I suppose <laughs> just kind of getting. He's lost a very in demand uh, uh, guy, and we're we're very lucky to be able to have any of his time because he's normally just making um he works on like harry potter movies star wars movies he does all the storyboarding for like these huge huge projects mm. um but because of his close connection with tim you know we'll just be able to get a little bit of his time especially early on in the project he helps with tim's sort of ideation phase the his projects usually begin with an art jam where tim will bring in you know a group of artists and they'll all talk through the ideas he has and we'll just start sketching whatever like crazy ideas mm. um, and so that's when peter's usually uh, mostly involved it's quite early on that was i think probably one of the sweetest uh john i think you'll probably remember these interviews but one of the like the sweetest things was talking to peter chan and to um bagel uh who's nathan stapley and to uh scott um Scott Campbell. Thank you. Scott Campbell. Cameron, I was going Scott to say. C, is completely Scott C, yeah, Scott Campbell. Talking to all three of those very talented artists, and all three of them said that in an art jam situation, particularly the one I think that was caught by two player productions for, for Broken Age, um, or Double Fine Adventure as it was then, uh, the, all three of them in their own way felt intimidated being in a room with the other two. And they felt kind of a bit like awkward initially and they were like, well, I know why the, these guys are here, but why am I here? And uh, all three of them said that. All three, with, without prompting. We good, didn't say, oh, good such old such imposter just... syndrome. It's good absolutely. to see it. It's got its yeah. tendrils in absolutely every facet of has. the creative world, isn't it? I thought of one. I did think of one challenge um, just, just a second ago. Because I was... So Double Fine delivered a lot of assets to you uh to you guys john and stace and then you sort of curated another sort of level down but then i was delivered a lot so i think one challenge was definitely i got quite a lot of freedom actually in choosing which ones should be down here it's quite it's quite interesting to look at a, a massive file and try and decide what the fans would most want to see i what i would want most want to see but also knowing that somebody at some point double fine created this who probably thought it was going on a hard drive forever after the game's out and now or in a drawer and, in some cases or in a, yeah, it was or, yeah, yeah, physical it, pieces of art yeah or in a drawer and then suddenly they're looking at a, a pdf preview of this book that's going to be uh, printed and you know sent out to fans all over the world and how jarring that might be and i it was quite interesting on some of the feedback when some of the artists had a look at it there were notes on some drawings that i thought were amazing and there were notes on it saying like please 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 don't put this in your book anything but this underlined yeah, yeah, yeah. four times and i was like oh man yeah it's quite interesting actually that there's some stuff in here that you actually hate but i just all of it was i, lo I love all of it yeah, everybody's their own harshest critic right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, getting well, that, all the art together thing. right getting all the art together was one of the biggest challenges of this entire project because there's just so much of it yeah well, well well done spread out over you know, it's there's so much physical artwork that's just sitting in drawers, as Stace said, tons on hard drives, different places on our network. And, uh, you know, we were trying to get it over to you in the midst of this, you know, quarantine situation. And we were upgrading our network and we were just like missing pieces of it. I ended up sending you a hard drive 
of stuff, but then the hard drive that was, was really corrupted. crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah, that, that actually speaks to the way this book was put together. Uh, John and I went over to San Francisco at the end, was it the end of February 2020? Is that right, John? It was end of February, I think. Yeah, we yeah. missed out on borders closing by not a lot. Yeah. And we went over and we spent wow. this time at the studio and we went through these these drawers, literally these this chest, several chests of drawers with physical pieces of paper that had been in there for, in some cases, you know, up to 20 odd years because some of them were back uh, from the original Psychonauts days. And that was a curation process in itself as well, just going through and us. I mean, it is, it is, John, you mentioned it already, but like it is an incredible privilege and to be able to go through that art and, and, and a challenge in and of itself to choose what's going to go in this, in this book. Um, John, I wonder, like, so we've done all three of our books that we've done to date have been done broadly, I think, in the same way that, you know, Richard alluded to it a little bit earlier on that we, we take all of the assets that we have at kind of the top level and then filter those in some way, shape or form. But we then tend to provide to the designer that we're working with, in this case, Rich, uh, a previous book, it was Dom that I mentioned at the top, um, and kind of just give like production notes or like like just a rough outline, right? Like this is what we're trying to achieve this is sort of the story we're trying to well, tell. Well, we give the emotional story, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be too art scored about it, but you try to give like, this is the emotional story, this is the visual narrative that you want to tell, and these are like the key points we have to hit. So, you know, for Psychonauts, like, we have to hit Raz, and we have to hit the other Psychonauts, and we have to hit the environments or whatever, um, along this predefined flow that we've decided so you know for psychonauts you introduce raz first then introduce psychonauts alongside their environments and then talk about you know the antagonists or or whatever uh and then i cut you off before you actually ask whatever question you were going to ask that's fine Uh, i I was doing that thing that i do where i wasn't actually going to ask a question i was just going to keep rambling until somebody started talking (laughs) instead and fortunately you did so yay um Yes, it was. I was just going to kind of allude into that, really, that it was a privilege to go through that. I mean, I think the we saw. I don't know that we got a final file size, but it was. It must have been in the hundreds of gigabytes, if not. Oh yeah, if easy. not yeah. over a terabyte or even two. Like it was a lot of stuff, particularly once all of those hard flat files were were scanned in. Um, and I suppose that Spaff, I think Double Fine probably deserves a. Uh, well, uh, some sort of recognition that y- you've kept all of that material. Um, I mean, is that, we've seen it a little bit in like the, we've spoken to Tim about this. We've also seen it in like the two player productions documentaries where Tim has literally taken something out of the bin. I think Bagel threw something in the bin and Tim was like, no, everything is, you know, stays. It, everything is gold. Has that since, well, since your time there, but also from previous to your time, do you get the impression that's always been a thing that's been important to the studio to to this kind of almost this um historical documenting in progress it's never previously been put into a book in this way but like it's all been kept and it's it starts off on the wall perhaps in the studio and it goes into a drawer is that a thing that has always been kind of a a very specific um deliberate yeah deliberate kind of choice or is that just a is that more of a hoarder's mentality that nobody wants to throw anything away <laughs> i think it must be a, a you know a very deliberate choice i think 
it harkens back to Tim's days at LucasArts, and there's probably multiple factors at play there. Um, I know that they celebrated all their artwork. I visited LucasArts back in the day, and they would, you know, put it all up on their walls there too. But not enough of it, I always felt. You know, mm. I, they too sort of hid a lot of it away just for preservation. Um, so there's probably some of that that's come over. Then I also think um, that, you know, Tim leaving LucasArts, um, we had this idea that he wanted to make things that he owned, that, no, you know, no corporation owned. Because, you know, to this day, Disney now owns all of the, the Lucas stuff, all of Grim Fandango and Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle, all of the artwork and everything. And, um, you know, he, I, you know, I think that is upsetting to him that more the thought that somebody else could create a sequel to one of those works and not involve him and that he doesn't have access to some of that beautiful artwork. Mm. Um, so Double Fine has really strived where possible to retain um, IP and retain all of our artwork and keep it all, you know, safe. Um, for me personally, as a, you know, as a person who's come from the world of um, fan sites and, you know, um, documenting, a fandom of a place like this finding and hunting down every little scrap of information or artwork or you know all those kinds of things when i first came here um i would wander around the studio and sometimes find like a piece of incredible artwork just behind a couch or um i remember in the i was cleaning out a storage room that we used to have and it's just filled with you know boxes of old consoles and you know useless junk but i found a piece of paper printer paper that had one of the earliest sketches of the double find logo on it and it was just like under some stuff and i was like this is very important artwork why is it here you know <laughs> um, and that's now framed on the wall you know uh in the other room over there but i think it's probably in the book also mm, um, we do we certainly uh, do I'm have that sure. uh, double page on like the evolution of the logo which i think is that's one of those fascinating it's almost like um uh, i kind of think think of it almost like environmental storytelling in a video game like it's there's no there's no like words to that story there's no you don't look at that and uh kind of see a very specific through line but you just understand that that was a it was an iterative evolution that then kind of eventually um culminated in this logo that is I think it's fair to say kind of very double fine. It's, you know, slightly offbeat. It's quirky. It's creative. It's all of those things yeah. that people don't know quite is. what it is. No. You get bumblebee a lot. The fact that it's called a two headed baby is, you know, <laughs> slightly disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, <laughs> we nickname him two HB and two HB is, um, I not, I'm not entirely sure that this, where that comes from, but I know in Scott C's comics, um, he's a character and is called 2HB in there. And so whether that was, you know, before that moment he was nicknamed that or not, I'm not sure, but certainly from Chicken there. and egg. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So John, I think one of the, one of the key things, uh, again, you alluded to it earlier, one of the key things was bringing all of these very different titles into one book. Um, and mm -hmm. as we know, Double Fine has not made a habit of making sequels. Uh, it took them 20 years, there, thereabouts, to make a sequel to, to Psychonauts. So when putting the book together, um, how, like, did you have a sort of a, an eye for having things in a certain 
having the story told in a certain way um, or have it visually or having like one game flow into another, was it a, did you feel like that process was fairly sort of a fairly natural process? Or was there sort of some that just didn't like some spreads that just really refused to coalesce? Okay, I'm going to call out that one spread that we all hate. Now. Um, uh, no, but we I mean, it it was, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think like, yeah, it's a challenge because you want these stories. So like we kind of set ourselves the goal of um, the book needed to be enjoyable and readable and make sense whether you were or no matter whether you were just dipping into each game each section by itself at a random order or if you were reading it front to back um and i think uh so obviously so therefore each section had to have something interesting to say um in isolation um but then also add to some bigger cohesive whole if you're reading it chronologically um I think given that we did so many interviews and people had so much to say, um, it was always, it was never, it was never a challenge to find um, something to write about that, that gave some interesting piece of information about every game included in the book beyond just the basic sort of factual elements. Mm. Um, so I think um, if you read the book, then... I hope, or the goal was that each game, each game section, like gives you something about double fine. So I'm thinking like the middle manager of justice mm. um, spread. Key is talking there about how you know that he was quite nervous about going into because he'd never like project managed something, um, but then going into it and flexing different muscles, um, and then also having appreciation of what different uh skills are required to be a project manager rather than just being good at x being good at programming mm. art or, or 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 whatever and it's quite a nice it's quite a nice sort of synergy there that the game is about a manager as well um so i think i think that was that was um the main yeah it was just about making sure every game every section spoke about the game the game was understood if you did, didn't play it or hadn't played it yet um, but then also there's a story that came from that game through our interviews that tells you something more about what Double Fine is or what its mantra is or what it aims for or what the, is important to people mm. um, at the studio. Rather than like a best of, like these are 20 years and these are the games and, you know, this is what this game is. Like that's fine and, and the images look nice, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we just wanted it to be more than that you know like mm. this game and here's a little nugget of double fine and what what they are and what they aim to be um alongside that yeah it, it, well i mean as you say but there was so much interview material that it was a, it was more a what stories like do whittling we want it to down tell? more yeah, than yeah, trying it was, to yeah, absolutely it wasn't like stuff here what oh so we're going to use that one story that that one person told us it's more like well like what stories do we want to tell here? And I think that was the way that everything does feed into each other. And, and Double Fine's history, and Spaff, you'll be able to talk to this uh, very clearly, I would imagine, but Double Fine's history has been, there's been kind of a series of uh, almost like flashpoints, like just teetering on the brink of 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 falling off a cliff and then something, well, I say something saves the day. Usually it's 
the staff. Usually it's the studio that saves the day. It's the creativity of the studio and, and things like the Brutal Legend 2 um, title being cancelled and then turning to like, well, what are we going to do next? And looking internally to like Amnesia Fortnite and using those games that come out of that to release. Is that, it sounds, it's a very romantic notion, this kind of flying by the seat of your pants. It could all go come crashing down at any moment it sounds very romantic it's a very like oh this struggling artist kind of vision have you personally in your time at double fine kind of lived through or career-wise lived through any of those moments or have you kind of spoken to people that that have prior to that and do you get a sense for kind of how that actually is to live through rather than sort of the the very romantic vision that it sounds like i mean it's it's as worrisome and stressful as you <laughs> probably can imagine it is, you know, and especially for the people who are um, like Greg, who, whose prime responsibility at the studio was trying to find money, you know, to keep the company going. And, you know, the pressure that, that must come with to feel like, mm. you know, if you don't succeed, then it's all over at any moment you know it's it's hardcore but um yeah i mean even through psychonauts 2 we it was all ups and downs i mean we crowdfunded it to begin with and that's great that got us off the ground but we knew we would have to find a publishing partner to actually you know finish this thing and we did and uh, then they went bankrupt and that was fun <laughs> and we were just sitting there like what and luckily the swedish government um has a very good policy about bankruptcies and and made sure that we were looked after somehow thanks to the swedish government um <laughs> but so if you're going to partner with a know, company when... that's going to go bankrupt partner with a swedish company that's the, <laughs> the moral of that story. Uh, you know t- almost 20 years into the company we've been acquired by xbox we're part of the xbox game studios and initially it was a feeling of like oh no i'm not sure i want that to happen but actually if you think about it for even five seconds just adding that layer of security and you know having somebody that's got your back uh like that is just a huge relief for basically everybody and it allows us to continue what we're doing um just without having to scramble all the time and um it actually, I think, will lead to even greater creativity because we no longer have to, you know, try and get somebody to fund something and be really specific about it and try and fit into a genre that's uh, that they're into right now or, or whatever. We can kind of do whatever we want to, you know, more or less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's especially true as... Uh... As it very much seems like Xbox have, you know, have made that purchase because they want Double Fine to be Double Fine, right? Like they're not trying to turn Double Fine into something else. It's something that Tim spoke about speaking to some of the studio heads at some of the other studios that had been acquired by Xbox prior to Double Fine. Uh, and there was an element of like disbelief of, do you know, they're saying that the deal is, you know, we buy you, but you basically carry on as normal and we want you to keep doing that. Is that legit? Because it sounds too good to be true. And evidently the people that Tim spoke to said, yeah, absolutely it is. And that's, I mean, you're now, what is it? Uh, is it two years, two years in now? Um, yeah, it must much, be. Or two. maybe a bit more. Mm. So, I don't remember now. Well, you know, the last couple of years have been a bit of a blur. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> yeah, the last two years haven't felt like two years. Yeah, for sure. But so far, so good. And like, hopefully they are um, pleased with us. You know, we've put out a game that is, you know, critically acclaimed and it's getting um 
lots of award nominations and uh, you know we got xbox game of the year at the golden joysticks last week which hopefully means xbox is pleased with us <laughs> <laughs> Yay. but you know we shall see as as we come off this big project and start working on you know the future of, of what we want to do um i know for instance that lee has some big ideas to to make something that's even weirder than anything he's ever made before so <laughs> we'll see where he's where going to outweird us. himself that's that's good to hear <laughs> um okay so i think as we we move towards wrapping up we're not quite there but as we move towards wrapping up so something that i personally like about what we do the books that we bake um is this notion of kind of a, a legacy thing which sounds quite grandiose and it sounds quite um yeah, i guess in some sense egotistical but the you know i've got kids now and i like that idea that there is a world in which we can all go to the british library and request that we see the book that's been submitted to them because that's how it works publication works you have to send copies of the book to various libraries around the uk um so i i like that it's kind of a it's a nice feeling that here's this everlasting thing um particularly in a very digital world i mean we're doing this podcast all four of us are in different places literally different parts of the world um i'd wonder if for any of you guys is there like any part of either on this book hopefully but even even just in your your general kind of day-to-day careers is there are there particular things that you you are i guess proud of or enjoy about what you do like the you know along those same lines kind of that legacy aspect or that it means something to somebody else like what's the sort of i guess this is open to anybody that has an answer first but what's kind of the one of those things for you that that has importance and elevates kind of the Monday to Friday, nine to five above just a job. Uh, well, I mean, I can speak on that in, in relation to the book. I, I mean, I don't think, um, I think one of the reasons that inspired me anyway, to start writing books about games in general. Um, and this book being an example of that is I don't always think games industry in general is especially good at, kind of slowing down for a second and appreciating mm. itself and what it's done it's kind of always tends to be like the next thing is the best thing and like the next thing is the only thing um and that kind of makes sense right like it's a very technology driven industry technology moves on etc um but i think i don't know with books like this um it's nice just to slow down and appreciate what we've got and what we have and the things that go on behind the scenes of um because you know all you tend to see is the result but um <clears throat> of the release game um but you know there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff there's a lot of interesting things and people behind those so uh yeah kind of shining uh a light on that like a, a light that exists permanently like physically with um a book is very i don't know fulfilling mm. i guess is it well, it's it's a similar angle from me as well. It's um, you know, if you look at design jobs, it's kind of all about it's all about digital and you know motion design, and that's kind of where people say you should go if you kind of want to succeed at this and and make good money and everything. But um, it's really really satisfying to have such a mighty tome come out the end of it, and this thing will just exist and will make fans very happy. 
and it was just really nice to just drill down into something because yeah it was like slowing down kind of like john saying and kind of working through this systematically and methodically which is really nice because with a lot of design stuff it does it's a lot of last minute requests and it's digital stuff and it appears and it's we need this now and you you kind of get it out the door and it just kind of flitters off into you you know into the internet and you sort of never think about it ever again but you know it's a satisfying thought knowing i could just pull this thing down once in a while and just have a little flick through and yeah so I'm feeling that legacy vibe, and I hit my face on every single spread. Which <laughs> the watermark <laughs> under a UV light. Yeah, I'm riddled through this book. That was that's that was my sort of legacy. Um, input. Thanks, Rich. That's a great advert. Buy twenty double fine years. It's riddled <laughs> with. What's your? I mean, your yours yours is. I don't know. Maybe a bit different. Well, you can tell us. Maybe a bit different because you. I guess you already get to do that to an extent, right? Like you work at Double Fine that makes games and has done so for a very long time. And and there is that legacy aspect just immediately there. You know, the fact that people are still playing both Double Fine's older games and Tim's older games as well um, is kind of, uh, it's it's sort of a self, um, self-fulfilling uh, legacy element. But is there something kind of, something like that for you in your day-to-day? I mean, I think so. Looking at this book, especially like you coming to it as both the long-standing fan, and so therefore somewhat of a, a historian of, of of the you know the things that these people have been doing, and then also as a, a person who's worked in community management for a really long time, in which I really see a big part of the role of a community person or person that works in like a PR or you know this kind of role where you're facilitating access between the interesting people that are making interesting things and the people that want to talk to them and and really you know providing a platform uh, to share those stories and to get that information out there and so when doing a book like this one of my absolute favorite things about it um, is that we don't just look at the games the 20 games that they'll find has made but we look at the other aspects the amateur fortnight day of the devs double fine presents um, you know, there's a whole section of fan art, the influence of the company. There's all these human aspects of the book. And it's really allowed, you know, I know these people and I know all the fantastic things they do. And I love hearing about them. And there's all these tiny, you know, tiny moments even that I think are fascinating. And this book has allowed everyone's legacy from this company or as many, you know, maybe not everybody, but loads and loads of people to get a moment in the in the spotlight to, to kind of share some of their involvement in all these wonderful moments and things and events games um so for me personally that's you know a really big part of it's not just my legacy i i get to help the legacy of this company and everybody um here um you know get out there into the world um, and so props to you guys also for working with us on on that i remember at the beginning of this project you know we sat here and obviously the, the first thing is like right we got to do sections and all the games but then i just started throwing all these other things like you too it's like oh the story's not complete unless we talk about i mean your fortnight death death stop one presents blah blah blah. you know sometimes we have picnics here's a load of photos of us through the years like here's up you know there's all these random other things and for you to be able to somehow get basically all of it into that book is pretty astonishing. Um, 
you know, be it through the wordsmithing and interviews, uh, graphic design work, you know, all of that stuff. It's really uh, a detailed book, much more so than than most, I think, um, that you, you know, there's a lot of art books from our industry, but they don't go into any detail, uh, you know, like this. They're just, um, this is a phenomenal piece of work, I think. So thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Well, what a wonderful um, testimonial. We'll invite you thanks. back on. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> pay you later um awesome well that seems to me like a very very nice place to stop if this chat has uh, whetted your appetite for 20 double fine years then please do go and check it out it's available at indiebydesign.net and also at doublefinebook.com We've also got a lot of podcast episodes over there. Uh, there's lots of other stuff that we do as well. So go and have a look at that um, if you would like to. Um, and I don't think there's much more to say apart from you can catch us on all of the usual social media channels. We are at Indie by Design. Come and join the conversation. Let us know what your favourite parts of Double Fine are and what your favourite parts of 20 Double Fine years are. Um, and until next time, we will see you then. <laughs>